Welcome to Pints and Pelvic Floors, a podcast designed to normalize the discussion around all things pee, poop, sex, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Noble, owner of Pelvic Pride Physical Therapy and Wellness, an LGBTQ-owned transgender safe space and clinic for all. Grab a pint and come as you are as we uncover the myths around our genitals and destigmatize normal body functions, as well as normalize asking for help. So raise your glass because it's a beautiful day to see pelvic floors. Hi friends, welcome to episode two of Pints and Pelvic Floors. Today we're going to talk about what the pelvic floor actually is and why we should care about it. So if you're on TikTok or on Instagram Reels, there is a lot out there in the world about the pelvic floor. Um, You can find all sorts of information. Some of it's really good. Some of it's a little questionable. Um, Occasionally I'm getting sent videos like hey, is this thing that says to water your plants with period water a legit thing? Um, The verdict's still out. I'm not so sure about that myself. But sometimes we see those things. We see information like do all the Kegels or use these different devices, things that we'll dive into in later podcasts. Um, But the big question really starts off with what in the world are they talking about when they say pelvic floor? So let's dive in. The pelvic floor itself is a uh, supportive structure that's going to lay at the bottom of our pelvis, and it is comprised of muscles, ligaments, nerves. There are tendinous attachments, right? Tendons are any time that a muscle attaches to a bone. So if there's a muscle, it's going to have a tendon. There are arteries and veins running in there, giving us blood and pulling blood and fluids out of the area. So lots going on in that pelvic bowl. The pelvic floor muscles themselves though, are a supportive structure in that pelvis. They provide a bunch of different things to us like stability, stability of that pelvic bowl, some stability into our low back and spine and into our hips. They are our sphincters. We have voluntary control around both the urethra to keep our urine in as well as around the anus or rectum to keep our stool in. So in both of those scenarios, our brain is helping control part of it. This is why we don't walk around and leak pee or poop all the time. Um, But we also have voluntary control. So if you think of waiting in line and having to go to the bathroom and you're able to squeeze those muscles and hold it in, or maybe you're in a situation where you just don't want to fart and so you're keeping those muscles squeezed. So we're not letting that out. That is that sphincter control the pelvic floor provides. Pelvic floor is interesting because those muscles can also help to suppress the urge to go. This can be a super helpful uh, technique to use. I will warn you, if you tell a partner, specifically a partner that you road trip with, you may regret this. I did that and told my husband about Kegels and you know, what's right, what's wrong, what we want to go for. Part of this education in him, just learning what I do as a pelvic provider. He also learned about suppressing the urge, engaging our pelvic floor, distraction techniques, using our calf raises. And so now in the most loving way, he likes to use that against me. So when we are on a road trip, if we're not ready to stop yet, and I tell him, Hey, we need to find a bathroom. He'll say, just do your techniques and stop that urge. He's not wrong. It does definitely help. Um, But if you don't want your partner to have that power, don't tell him about this technique. 
or maybe do because their pelvic floor will thank you. Uh, and the last thing a pelvic floor is super important for is sexual appreciation. So if that is part of your uh, life experience, if sex in any way is enjoyable for you or something you want to be enjoyable, our pelvic floor is a big part of that. So making sure our pelvic muscles are able to elongate and relax completely and then engage fully and strongly are going to be super important parts of having a good sexual appreciation and orgasm. So that is kind of the, the functions of the pelvic floor itself. The structure looks a lot like a hammock or a trampoline, kind of this, uh, parachute, if you will, that goes across the pelvic floor bottom, it is going to move up and down as we breathe. So as we take a nice deep breath in, ideally we're going to have air putting pressure down as our diaphragm lowers, that pressure is going into the abdominal area and it's going to go downward and outward. So one of the places it's going to go is to the pelvic floor. So with that inhale, the air comes in and the pelvic floor should drop. In reverse, as we exhale or blow that air out, the pelvic floor is going to lift back up to its neutral resting position. So pelvic floor is very active, even when we don't think about it, because each breath we take, our pelvic floor is part of this mechanism in the body. Other functions or other things we want to consider about the pelvic floor is that it's going to be super important for bowel and bladder health. We already talked a little bit about suppression of urge. Our pelvic floor can aid in how our bladder is responding. So I work on this a lot with my patients who have things like bladder retention, uh, urinary urgency or urinary frequency. They get a strong need to go to the bathroom or they're going to the bathroom a lot. The pelvic floor can actually be an important part of that because what happens is sometimes our bladder gets the signal or sends the signal to the brain too soon. So maybe the bladder is a third of the way full. It sends a signal to the brain too soon and says, Hey body, we have to pee. This is too much urine. Brain sends the signal back. You feel, Hey, I got to go to the bathroom and you step away. Well, we can start to kind of trigger that or feed that in kind of like Pavlov's dog, you ring a bell, you salivate. So bladder fills up a little bit. Your body gets that urge. You relieve it by going to the bathroom. And so your bladder starts to learn, oh, one third of the way full is actually where we want to be. So it's going to keep sending that signal instead of filling all the way up to its actual capacity. So what we do in PT is we have to try to troubleshoot that, navigate why is this happening? And is the pelvic floor a component of this? Can we help on the pelvic floor side? And so some of that might look like some bladder retraining where we actually will work through suppressing the urge and then uh, using the pelvic floor muscles to calm that bladder down so that the bladder continues to hold until we are at a more full volume. That's going to help decrease frequency of urination, but it's also going to help decrease the urgency too. So super important on the bladder health side. Then on the bowel health side, when we look at how stool kind of moves, moves through our large intestine, kind of going up one side of the body across the middle, down the other side before stool moves into the rectum. When stool's in the rectum and it is giving pressure, our body is going to get a similar urge or sensation to go. So we take that sensation, we go to the restroom, we let our stool out. 
sometimes we get into some trouble because that sphincter is not getting the cue to relax, to let the stool out. And so maybe those muscles are too tight. So sometimes we're working with our patients on relaxing or lengthening that external anal sphincter or those muscles that you voluntarily control to let poop out or to keep it in our body. Sometimes we're actually having a mixed match of pressure. So we can have pressure in the rectum and we have pressure at the sphincter and we need them to be kind of in this happy place where they get along and recognize when one pressure builds up, the other one's going to let go once we're sitting on the toilet. Sometimes we have not enough pressure in the rectum or not enough sensation of pressure in the rectum, too much pressure, too much squeeze at the external anal sphincter. And we're not able to coordinate enough to either relax those muscles voluntarily or to actually build up pressure and push the stool out in the natural way that it should, in which case we actually really push or strain or bear down to try to force the poop out. It's not ideal, but our pelvic floor can be a big part of that. So another thing we are looking for in pelvic therapy is to identify what are your mechanics for having a bowel movement? You know, do you use a squatty potty? Where are your feet? What's your nutrition like? What's the water intake? Um, are you utilizing appropriate positioning and breathing out while you're trying to get the stool to leave the body? So pelvic floor is a big part. Even things like one of our pelvic floor muscles, the puborectalis, attaching at the pubic bone in the front, wrapping around the back of the rectum before coming back to attach to the other side pelvic or pubic bone. If that muscle is tight, we're going to have some difficulty with getting stool to pass through. And so again, tension in the pelvic floor can create issues with the bowels. So we've talked a little bit about tightness, weakness, things like that. That's the big question when patients come in, they want to know what's happening at my pelvic floor. So pelvic floors can be tight. They can be weak. Sometimes they're tight and weak. So a tight pelvic floor typically is a pelvic floor that has decreased length to it. Those muscles are shortened, much like we find in individuals uh, who have tight hamstrings or maybe tight calf muscles. They can't move through a full range of motion. Maybe they can't bend over and touch their toes. Or when they walk, they don't have as long of a stride length or a step length because they don't have the range of motion in the ankle. So with that, we want to make sure that the pelvic floor lengthens much like we do the calves or the hamstrings. Pelvic floor could be weak. Weak pelvic floor, we tend to see different things like prolapse symptoms, feeling of heaviness or pressure, feeling like something's falling out of place or maybe falling out of the vaginal canal. Um, If our penis owners out there are having some weakness, maybe we're seeing issues with urinary leakage, incomplete erections, maybe difficulty sustaining an erection. And then we have the fecal side of things where if our pelvic floor muscles are weak, we also might have some fecal incontinence or bowel leakage. Last category we want to consider here is that our muscles can be both tight and weak. I explain this to my patients. If you imagine someone at the gym holding really heavy free weights in their hands, doing bicep curls, 
and they're going from maybe 90 degree bend in the elbow, pumping up towards their shoulder and they're just going for it. That's great. Except for the fact that they're only that strong in that little range of motion. But if you ask them to put the weight on the ground and then pick it up via a bicep curl, so curl the bicep to pick it up, they might not have the strength in that arm alone to curl the weight, the full range, because they're only training it in that short range of motion. So I feel the same way the pelvic floor muscles, if they don't have full length and they're tight or shortened, they may also be weak in that area because they're so tight and shortened. So these are some of the things when we're looking at the pelvic floor and why we should care about it. We don't want a weak pelvic floor. We don't want a tight pelvic floor. We certainly don't want a tight and weak pelvic floor because that is just going to put us back into that place where now we're not able to give stability. Maybe our sphincters aren't doing their job like they should. Urgency might be giving us uh, some issue and sex may just be painful or not functional because of these different issues. So a little more about why we care about the pelvic floor. Well, that's what patients come in to see us for every day. They're having issues like urinary or bowel leakage. They're having that urgency, frequency to void, or maybe they're having hesitancy. A lot of patients come in and they tell us, I sit on the toilet and I sit and I sit and nothing happens. And eventually I can get my urine flow to start or eventually a couple nuggets of poop come out. That also leads us to constipation. Some of the issues that happen with the pelvic floor are constipation has a lot of different factors that feed into it. A lot of different things that tell us that, you know, why the constipation is happening. Sometimes it's water, sometimes it's nutrition, sometimes it's movement can be the muscles. It can be something bigger happening. There might be a neurological component inside. There might be something happening. Maybe that motility or the speed of movement of stool through the body is slow. Um, so there's a lot of different components to constipation. We're going to help tease those out, figure out what we think might be part of it and ensure that we're addressing everything that is related to the pelvic floor itself. So the tightness, the tension, and then also looking at those other pillars of pelvic health to ensure your treatment is as well-rounded as it can be. Talked about prolapse again. That's the things kind of feeling like they're sliding or slipping out of place. This is a common issue we see when our pelvic floor isn't functioning optimally. So super important to care about your pelvic floor because we don't want to be dealing with or struggling with prolapse. If you are, there's a lot of different things that can be done. We'll talk about treatment for prolapse in future episodes as well. Um, But just keeping in mind that that is one of the uh, potential side effects of a pelvic, pelvic floor dysfunction. Our last super common thing when it comes to the pelvic floor is we see a lot of issues with pain or muscle spasms. This comes to us with many different diagnoses or names. It can be dyspareunia, which is just painful intercourse. It can be vulvodynia, vestibulitis, vulvar vestibulitis, um, any kind of coccydynia, tailbone pain, really any combinations of prefixes and suffixes that get us to pelvic and pain. So vulvar pain, penile pain, vaginal pain, testicular pain, um, anything within this genital or pelvic area can happen. A lot of times it's from tight muscles or muscles that are spasmed. 
other issues we find is nerve problems. Many patients come to us with nerve issues, most commonly the pudendal nerve, but we're not going to rule out others. There's other nerves in the area, genitive, moral, obturator, uh, different innervations from different areas that all need to be screened while we are assessing the pelvic floor. But when we go back to kind of that initial, what is the pelvic floor made up of? Muscles, nerves, ligaments. We want to make sure everything in those categories are in the most ideal you know, position and function. And so when our muscles are spasmed, if they're squeezing on a nerve, or if we have some degeneration happening at our spine and we're impinging on a nerve, we may get some pain into the pelvic floor. So part of our job is to help tease out, is the pain coming from a nerve? Is the pain coming from a muscle? Is it kind of coming from a combination of both? So those are common issues when it comes to the pelvic floor. Another interesting thing we take into consideration when discussing the pelvic floor is how our pelvic floor tends to be an area that holds a lot of stress or a lot of trauma. Um, I I say this to patients not to concern them, but to recognize that trauma can mean a lot of things. Uh, birth traumas, maybe a physical trauma, an emotional trauma could be a, um, generational trauma, a lot of interesting uh, information out there in the world about that, or it can be stress. So sometimes we don't recognize or realize how much our body holds on to stress until we put ourselves in different situations. So maybe it is a, um, particular person you interact with in a job, Maybe it's the job itself. Maybe it is a, a friendship or a situationship that's just not going well and it ends and you recognize how different you feel because your body has been able to maybe change the stress that's being placed on it or remove the stressful situation and your pelvic floor feels different. We see this a lot in clinic when patients bring up those conversation topics, those stories while we're doing hands-on work we actually start to feel their pelvic floor squeeze around us as we're treating. Um, and that just kind of lets us know, Hey, this topic here, this is kind of a hot spot for this patient. This is an area that is potentially increasing their pelvic floor tension all the time, not just while we are assessing it. So it's very interesting the way that happens. We see this a lot as well with our new parents who have delivered baby via cesarean that incision can hold a lot of um, stress and trauma. Many of these individuals go into their delivery time not planning on a C-section. So whenever delivery shifts that direction, there can be a lot of emotions, valid emotions, but emotions tied into the plan to get to the cesarean, Uh, whether there was just delayed movement from baby, the whole progression of delivery was stalled, and maybe parent feels like they didn't do their job in delivery right, which is, you know, many, 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 if not all the time, not the case. They have done everything they can. Sometimes it's just that's how the delivery is going to happen. Sometimes it's more of the medical emergency route where something's not happening like it should, blood pressures are doing something, heart rates are doing something, uh, whether it's for the birthing parent or for the baby, and the decision is made that this needs to turn to a cesarean delivery. And so these parents had 
a vision going in potentially of what they wanted their birth to look like. Maybe it's changed course. It's not going how they want. And so some of that stress and that trauma and that loss of what they wanted their delivery to look like gets tied into that C-section scar. And I have patients who don't want their partners touching it, or they themselves feel very disconnected. Don't look at the area. Don't touch the area. Kind of ignore that it ha- it exists. Maybe they don't want baby even touching it or laying on it. And so it's amazing how much our body can hold in this area. And so if you've never read the book, the body keeps the score. It's a great place to start when you're looking into more information on this. Um, I'll drop that in the show notes as just a reminder, but that is one place or one, a good resource that you can read more information on this, but our body definitely can hold onto these things. And so we have to keep that in mind when we're looking at, again, what is the pelvic floor and why do we care about it? Well, lucky us, the pelvic floor can be a place where we hold stress and trauma and that can turn into why we have tight pelvic floor that can turn into why we're dealing with painful intercourse or difficulty having a pelvic exam or fear of getting a pap smear done or, um, difficulty with erection because of previous traumas with a partner or something like that. And so it's super important to just recognize that everyone's case is a little bit different that, We've talked about a lot of different things. There's a lot of structures. There's a lot of functions. There's a lot of possibilities as to what could be going right or wrong within our pelvic floor. And so when it comes to what do I do about it um, as an individual, not as a provider, but as an individual, um, you, the universal you, what can you do about it? This is where you want to see a pelvic floor provider. That would be the the best movement forward is to have a pelvic provider evaluate your pelvic floor and recognize or kind of figure out what is going on and see if they can't recognize within your muscles and within your story, what may be some of the factors contributing to any symptoms that you may be having. So, um, as we're going to say at the end of this podcast, you know, none of this is meant as medical advice, but as always, if you have a concern, consult with your primary provider, um, seek out a referral. So many of my patients are, they are the ones that are their biggest advocate. They're the ones that are having to ask for the referrals to PT or ask to see different providers and get more uh, looked at when it comes to their symptoms. And so if any of this kind of resonates with you, or you feel like, Oh my gosh, it sounds like me. I have that problem. Um, these are things we work with every single day in the clinic here at pelvic pride. These are the things that all of my amazing pelvic floor colleagues work on every day. If you're not in the area. So definitely reach out to your providers, find pelvic floor PT near you. If you need help finding one, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to help get you connected with someone in your area. Um, So yeah, that's kind of the big thing. So just kind of to wrap it back up and summarize what we've talked about. Um, The pelvic floor itself is a combination of a few layers of structures that are muscles, nerves, arteries, veins, ligaments that give support to that pelvic bowl. Um, It is going to be super important for all things related to bowel, bladder, and reproductive slash sexual health. And then they are important because we just want to make sure they're functioning right. We don't want them to be too tight, too weak, or a combination of the two. Ensure that we're not having any issues with leakage or pain or constipation or anything that might be negatively impacting this area. So super important set of muscles, super important that we take care of them. 
Um, obviously I have an entire practice built around the care for these. There's an entire specialty in the field of the pelvic floor. So they are a super important set of muscles. They're an over, uh, a grossly overlooked set of muscles. And so patients may have dysfunction here and not find help for years. So if any of this sounds like you and you're looking for help, definitely, definitely reach out. So hopefully this was helpful. If you have any questions, let us know. Um, if you have any questions on other topics or any things that you would like us to cover, feel free to reach out. And I appreciate you hanging out for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode where we are going to discuss uh, what the training is like to become a pelvic floor PT. Cheers. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute providing medical advice or professional services. Please reach out to your primary care provider if you need any assistance.